0: gang, thank you for joining us for another edition of Book Club. This time we're talking to author Daniel Buxpan about his book, Ozzy at 75. We We've featured a few of these so far and I love these books as I've said before, they're, they're like highlight reels of these great artists career. They're big and beautiful so they've got lots of great pictures in them like a coffee table book would. But then it also kind of gets into all these high points about their career. Now they're not career-spanning, like deep investigative auto, you know, biographies of these people, but it's it's so fun. Daniel's on Ozzy's is a blast for a few reasons. Number one, mostly Daniel has a really fun, dry sense of humor, and that permeates throughout this book. And as you can imagine, when talking about somebody like Ozzy, a good sense of humor is necessary to put it across, and so. This book is a ton of fun. We're gonna give away a copy. Of course, it's for a Patreon supporter. I will mention that more at the end. But anyway, here's my conversation with Daniel about Ozzy at 75. And get this, um, I I really, first of all, must say that I am grateful for this connection that we have with the at whatever group of people. Um, I just received Kiss at 50 in the mail the other day. And uh, so Martin Popoff will come back on eventually to discuss that one. So now we've done Bowie, Alice Cooper, uh, ACBC, Ozzy, and then uh, Kiss will be coming up eventually anyway. So anyway, here's my conversation with Daniel. It's a good one. What is the ongoing fascination with Ozzy Osbourne? Why do Uh, we still care about this
1: guy? That's a really, you know... Uh, that's a good question. Not that he's not interesting, not that he hasn't done, uh, a lot of things to make him worthy of attention. I have to say part of it, uh, is like, how does he keep going? Yeah. Uh, I'm certainly fascinated by that part of it. And I'm not going to lie. The whole time I was writing the book, I was like, please don't die. Please don't die. Please don't die. (laughs) It could be any moment. And yet he lives on like Keith Richards right now yeah at this yeah. at this moment uh uh no you know i mean apart from like you know the drunken shenanigans and that sort of thing uh he's he's an interesting guy he has a lot to say uh and i just i think he's very relatable even though you know most of us don't uh you know shuffle around like that and mumble like you know uh and, you know maybe there's some part of it where people wish they could be that way where they wish they could just go through life doing whatever they want and no one will stop them yeah um and also having like uh you know a wife manager who will Mm -hmm. kind of like you know sort out all the all the problems protect
0: him from everything yeah basically
1: yeah but i've always found him to be like strangely relatable Mm -hmm. uh you know i mean when he when he first got on my radar i was in like junior high school Mm-hmm. And it was really just for the gross stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, right. I, and I wasn't really that like drunted music at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, but I mean, even then, and, you know, even, even as like scary as he was and everything, there was still part of me that's like, but tell me more. But yeah. tell me more. <laughs> um, and I just have always, he, I don't know, he's just always kind of like, people people are sort of intrigued by him i think in the, because it's like on the one hand he's really funny but people are also like you know terrified of him yeah yeah so there's this kind of tension there that's always interesting i think yeah um, you know and uh for, i mean i think for a lot of people who don't get too deep into it it's you know the again the shenanigans yeah. uh you know that'll that's amusing to anybody you know yeah yeah. Um, and that's a good entry point, I think, for a lot of people. But if you keep looking, there's a lot there, you know. Yeah.
0: I kept uh, coming back to the words lovable buffoon, which I don't, I say that in a lovable, in a loving way. He, he's just kind of a doddering buffoon. I don't know what else to say. He reminds me of the metal version of Shane McGowan, where, uh, from the Pokes, yeah, in a way. Because Shane is this drunk who's like, you know, alcohol has rot, rotted his teeth and he's he can barely string sentences together. And yet he's one of the, Ireland's greatest poets and he writes some of the greatest songs ever written. He's a softie at his heart, but he goes through life as such a drunk buffoon that you are both laughing at him, but also feeling endeared to him as well. And Ozzy has that same kind of thing. And I was th- I wonder too if, You know, we, when we prop up our icons throughout our lives, there are people that we both sort of aspire to be and really like what they do. And I wonder if he just represents this kind of dopey yet hyper-talented guy, like you were kind of saying earlier, this aspirational, he goes through life making mistakes, tripping over himself, being protected by his wife. And yet he's just lovable and he sings great and his music's great.
1: I myself personally would not use the word buffoon. I can't really think of a I know that's probably word. too
0: harsh, but that's what kept coming to mind.
1: Um, no, I mean, I, I understand what you, what you mean by that. Certainly mm-hmm. um, from, you know, if there's some noun yeah. that means someone you laugh with. Yes. yes. That's yes. the, I, I'm not aware of such a noun, but I don't know clown clever. jester. I don't know. He, well, you know, I mean, that's interesting that you say jester, because, in, you know, in some ways he kind of like, you know, he presents himself as kind of a comic figure in some yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But in doing that, that kind of gives him license to he's kind of a walking commentary on everything going on in society, you know, yes. and it, it made him, you know, if you take a song like War Pigs. Mm-hmm. uh which uh has probably has got to be like one of the most durable pieces of music ever written mm-hmm. uh and uh, he was like 20 I think when they recorded it or something like that um he's you get the feeling when he's singing it like this guy means it this guy yeah. knows exactly what he's talking about uh he's just very credible and um you know I think in that sense it's like the, i think the shane mcgowan uh comparison is actually pretty apt mm-hmm. because it's like yeah this is okay so he drinks a lot and all that sort of a thing but he's not a moron no no um and it, it's it's the same sort of thing where it's like yes he drinks a lot but listen to what he has to say right uh, and you know it's the same with the sort of court jester thing where it's like you know they come out with the the hat and yeah sort of with thing. the bells and the yeah but they're the only one in the king's court who are allowed to actually say what the truth is
0: good point oh that's well said yes
1: yeah right they're self-demoting yeah so yeah. people feel like uh all right well i can listen to what what this guy has to say because you know he's not taking himself seriously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not putting himself out there as an authority or anything yeah. like you know where if you had someone more self-important yeah. uh like a yeah you know, a lot of the you know sort of like punk rock mm-hmm. guys from way back mm-hmm. when uh like I would not want to listen to them talk for 2 seconds. <laughs> be like shut the fuck up. I don't care what they say about anything. Pardon <laughs> my French by the way. You
0: can say whatever you want. It's all okay. Thank good. you. Yeah.
1: Um yeah. we you know we're coming from someone like Ozzy Osbourne it's like again yes there's all the shenanigans but you just, uh-huh. you don't have for a minute that like he grew up poor. Yeah. He, he grew up in like the worst abject poverty that you can imagine. And you can, you can just kind of tell that about him. Mm-hmm. And there's an authenticity about him uh, that just, that you just notice right off the bat, like, Oh, okay. This guy's for real. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think he, that goes a long way with him. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's, that's a lot of why we're still talking about him. I think you're right. You know, do you
0: remember when you first discovered him? How old are you? Do you mind me asking?
1: uh rapidly closing in on fifty-four years old on October first. Okay. 1st.
0: okay. Uh, so I turned fifty a couple of months ago. And um I wondered because I wondered if our experiences of being introduced to Ozzy would be this similar. I know when I was introduced, I'll tell my story real quick. When I first started getting into music I was probably it was in the early eighties. And I remember being about nine years old and being in record stores and seeing the speak of the devil. Um, you know, album was everywhere, and there was like a right. cardboard cutout and everything. And being just so freaked out by that, you know, there's the giant blue tattoo on his chest, and he's got whatever coming out of his mouth. Do we even know what that is? It looks like strawberry jam, but yeah, I, I have it was no idea. Or something. Yeah, right. yeah, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and the and the vampire teeth. And I just thought, is this for real? People do, you know. I'm nine. I don't know. I'm just getting right. awakened. And then I remember seeing the video to Bark at the Moon. And now I grew up Mormon in Salt Lake City, and um, I've told this story before. But I kind of rejected hair metal for a lot of years because the kids that I went to school with who were into it, we would call them stoners, and many of them, you know, had like dirty jean jackets and long hair and pube mustaches, and a lot of them were lower on the socioeconomic chain. A lot of them came from broken homes, and. That wasn't how I saw myself, you know? I didn't Mm -hmm. relate to those people. I say that knowing full well this is a horrible way to define anybody. Back then, in 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth grade, I didn't see myself in those people, and so I didn't want to identify with that. So I would hear songs like Bark at the Moon. In fact, I think he even sang that on Solid Gold. And, and, you know, uh, Original Sin. No, uh, Shot in the Dark. Yeah. And uh, I would love these songs, but I would, I would never venture further because that would mean entering into a world that I didn't see myself fitting into. And so right. I just was, I, I you know, I remained kind of on the sidelines until I got older and realized that's all stupid. And now I love that stuff. But anyway, what was your initial introduction to Ozzy?
1: Oh, I, I got into it in what all in the wrong order. Hmm. Uh, you know, cause I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a few years older than you, like you were saying, and so, like, around the time when you were nine, I would have been like 12. Perfect for you, and it was yeah. around that time that you know I probably saw the exact same album cover that you did. Uh, and I would say that, like, my initial response was like that he seemed like he must be smelly. <laughs> you know? Um, and there's this is kind of like, eh, I don't know about this, you know. Um, and i was i was kind of dismissive of him oh. uh you know the the image and everything just to me just so obscured whatever else he was doing uh-huh. and was so overpowering that like the fact that he was a musician was almost like secondary to me mm. uh as opposed to the fact that he was this he was this persona uh right. you know at you know i mean at that point we're talking like you know 82 83 and you know it's right in the middle of satanic panic and all that sort of thing, and he was like, you know, the, the emissary for it, yeah. uh, as much as he really didn't necessarily want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there like there was that, and then you know, MTV comes along, and you know, I see the videos, you know, like the video for "Bark at the Moon," like you're mm-hmm. saying, shot in the dark, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, like I just, I just didn't think the songs were there i guess Mm -hmm. uh you know the image was there and the persona was there but the songs themselves were just they just didn't like i don't know they they he has he has a lot better stuff than that yeah yeah Um, to start with that stuff it just it it just didn't draw me in you know Mm uh but when i got a little older i i got like very much into metal uh Mm -hmm. like slayer and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and i refused to listen to anything else it was just mm-hmm. everything fast 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. hatred 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 mm-hmm. and uh after about a year or so of that a friend of mine goes like you should check out this other thing he puts on uh, we sold our souls for rock and roll mm-hmm. uh and that was just a total eye-opener for me mm-hmm. And he informed me, and this is how ignorant I was, that the singer was Ozzy Osbourne, which Mm -hmm. I did not know. I thought there was Black Sabbath. That's Mm -hmm. one thing. There's Ozzy. I didn't know that, Mm -hmm. you know, the screams crossed. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just really, like, swept up in it. Uh, You know, because, I mean, I I still enjoyed all the angry shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there was was just something else going on there that was a lot deeper Mm -hmm. and a lot more relatable. Mm -hmm. Uh, but but wasn't like uh sanitized in any way Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't easier to relate to because they had like made it nice or anything because they didn't at all you know yeah but there is just something about how like the music was not as mechanical Mm -hmm. and it was more almost it almost still kind of had a foot in like the hippie days in a way Mm -hmm. in some ways um especially with the like 14 minute songs and you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, but i just i just found like you know the uh, children of the grave and sweet leaf and all that through, i was just like my god this is amazing yeah, yeah. and that yeah. You know, that album is just one after another sure and it yeah. just that, that did it for me and yeah. uh okay
0: yeah. how did you uh go about did you did you have to pitch yourself as being the guy to write this book or did they come to you i don't remember how they do these uh tributes
1: oh um well they asked me they did uh, okay i had, i had uh contributed to a bunch of books that they had done in the past uh you know just it was usually like a couple of reviews or that sort of a thing uh-huh. uh, you know because i was not yet the you know well-known celebrity that i am of now. course
0: now uh, you're too big for this kind yeah, of that's, thing. That's yeah too
1: big for, you know uh <laughs> for my home i'm gonna leave my family and you know go out <laughs> to hollywood um you know, they they approached me uh dennis my editor for motor books uh-huh uh, he e- emails me one day and he goes yeah you know we want to do these two books uh one of them is alice cooper at 75 mm-hmm. and the other one is ozzy at 75 uh do you want to do one of them i'm like ozzy you know, yeah. the buzzing in on Family Feud. Yeah. You know, it, it was, <laughs> and I, I must say, I love Alice Cooper. Me too. Yeah, yeah. If they had said to me, "We're doing an Alice Cooper book, you do it," sure. I would have been like, "Yes, one hundred percent on board, absolutely." Yeah. But I mean, my, I mean, Ozzy is like, you don't, you. Do, they're not handing, they're not handing out opportunities, right? Like that often, right. You know? and th- that for me was like, this is exactly the subject I want to write about, right? Uh, there is nothing that could possibly be more up my alley unless yeah. it's about myself. Right. You know? And um, <laughs> Yeah. I, mean, I Can I quote back to you some of
0: my favorite lines from your book? Mm-hmm. My very favorite line is on page 133. You're talking about the Live at Budokan album. And it's the caption for the photo of him. Ozzy makes the same mistake so many made before him of going full Lestat. Never go full Lestat. I love that, and I wrote that down. And the other one I, is the chapter on the chickens, chapter eighteen. So, first of all, anyone? Uh, so, okay, they his wife Thelma, who I want to ask you about in a second, moves them out, sort of to the countryside, to make them more respectable, and to and as a part of this, they she gets a chicken coop with a bunch of chickens and it's Ozzy's job to go out there and get the eggs. And he's just can't be bothered. He's not going to do, he doesn't want to do this. And, uh, one day he's sick of it all. And he goes out with a shotgun and he yells at him. I love the way you write this. Anyone laid in the eggs when he didn't get a response because they were chickens and didn't speak English he informed them of their fate too bad. And then he just started blowing all these chickens away. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Thank I you. love that.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's some of this, you know, I mean, that that was one little uh, story about him that I didn't know until I read the memoir. And that was the kind of thing where it's like, well, this has to go in there. Yeah, I have to put this in. Uh, and I can't just put what he put, I, uh-huh. <laughs> but how do you, how the fuck do you possibly talk about this in a way that's not just quoting him verbatim yeah, yeah, yeah. and sort of like laying it out for people, but, but also letting people know, like, I don't necessarily endorse sure going around, of you know, m- murdering chickens, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, I, I, I eat chicken, but, uh-huh. you know, but yeah. um, I don't want to, kill them or anything not uh not like dozens of them all at once (laughs) uh because i was drunk right yeah i I tend to avoid such behavior (laughs) um but you know i mean there's just a lot of stuff like that whereas i found myself in the position of like he would do something completely crazy Uh i would have to somehow roll it in a way that wasn't like holy shit. Oh my God. Uh-huh. If he did this thing. Wow. Look at that. You yeah. know, cause I, I didn't, as strange as it may sound, I did I didn't want to be laughing at him. Yes. yes. I didn't want to be like making fun of him. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he's, he's still a person, uh, deserving of dignity and respect if you're going to write about him. And, um, I, there's and I mean there's nothing I could have said about him that he has mm-hmm. not already said himself yeah um and you know I and mean, he's and he's always really been very forthcoming about all the things that he's done that were not great necessarily yeah but I, I mean I felt like my job like, as the writer was to, like be a little bit more journalistic about it <clears> and <throat> take myself out of it a little bit definitely at the same time you can't talk about someone you know like the bat story or the doves there's there's no way to pretend that's a normal story <laughs> right. so you have you have to kind of find the the sweet spot I right yeah where it's like i'm okay i'm talking about this as it happened this is factual this is correct mm-hmm. but i cannot you know i can i can sort of let let it be known that i yes this is crazy sure without yeah. it into like uh, I don't know, something kind of like grotesque on my, yes. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I get it
1: that, um, I
0: noticed in the book, he spends a lot of time apologizing for his bad behavior. And I think that's one of the reasons why that lovable buffoon term came to me because he seems, I mean, I think one of the things we love about him is that he feels, it feels like he's so viscerally, uh, reflexive or what? what's the word I'm trying to think of instinctive like he you know he's sitting there and snorting ants seems like a great idea and he does it you know biting the head off a bat seems like a great idea and he does not he doesn't think about these things before he does them he just sounds good and he blows the heads off chickens it's like he's in a fever and then yeah. when he when the fever subsides and someone like Sharon or his first wife Thelma take him aside and be like that wasn't smart what you did Uh Oh, okay. Okay. And then he just feels it's the complete opposite. The wave has turned the other direction where he's seemed so full of remorse and so sorry for what he did. You know, he's just like a child that way with these impulsive That's the word I was trying to think of impulsive behaviors and then deep sorrow afterwards. And then some wisdom as it all evens out over time. And I, I mean, I think that's one of the things we love about him. You were talking about him being, you know, human and, and relatable or whatever in some way. And I think that's probably why Is because we we all wish we were as impulsive as him. We all wish that we could get away with the weird stuff that he does. And we wish that we were as beloved in spite of our flaws,
1: you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for him i mean you know a lot of it is uh you know it can be laid at the feet of substance abuse absolutely like, yeah or, you know, just a lot of the stuff that he did he was drunk he yeah And he would be the first person to tell you that yeah um and i mean i, I don't know about you but i've certainly had my share of experiences where uh, i overindulged mm-hmm. and found out the next day i had done something heinous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and it was just days and days of like trying to make up for it somehow. Yeah, yeah, and and you kind of can't. I mean, you know, you can go and apologize to the person you wronged or whatever, and they'll they'll accept your apology, but it's it's not enough. Mm-hmm. So, like that's it always kind of sits with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, for for me, it just kind of led to a decision to where like I don't really drink or do anything like that because mm-hmm. I that happened enough times where I was like, I think I know what the problem is. <laughs> yeah. But you know, every everyone's not wired the same way, right? Right. And uh, I I have known a lot of people who would get really drunk, do horrible shit, and have no apologies about it whatsoever, and not in any way take responsibility for it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and I mean, one of the things that I really admire about him, and I've been saying that on a lot of these interviews, is just that he takes responsibility for what he's done. Yeah, that's Uh, it. I I know people who have never had a drop of alcohol in their lives who will take no responsibility for anything they've done. Yes. I and mean, that's a that's that's something that I th- I think is in your wiring. Here yeah, probably like that. Good point. Um,
0: yes, but
1: but you know, I mean, he uh, there was a lot of hard shit when he grew up, and mm-hmm. you know, he he endured a lot of really rough stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he if he had wanted to uh you know he could have been he could have had the excuse of like oh well, i grew up poor or mm-hmm. oh, I, I, you know i'm an alcoholic uh mm-hmm. sorry mm-hmm. uh you know because a lot of people do sort of put that forward as like that's my excuse that's my excuse mm-hmm. and he doesn't do that mm-hmm. uh, i i admire that a hell of a lot about him that he mm-hmm. has the he's after all these years he has the presence of mind to still be like no i did that and it's important mm-hmm. that i own up to it and that i do so publicly
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Do we? What do we know about Amy? I came away from the book. Bu- I so the the structure of these books is that it's not, you know, you're not writing a biography of Ozzy Osbourne with quotes and it's it's not. It's almost like a highlight reel versus like yeah. journalism. And um, not that you couldn't do that. I'm just saying that's the structure of these books. So, what do we know about Amy? And what do we know about Thelma? Do you know? <laughs>
1: Amy, who daughter, Amy, his daughter, who,
0: Amy, his daughter who chose early on to just stay completely out of the spotlight. I think you mentioned in the book somewhere that she wanted to kickstart her own music career. I've never heard about anything like that.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if that was like just a convenient excuse, and she—that's what wanted, I
0: assumed. Yeah, I
1: want nothing to do with this craziness at all. Yeah, you know? yeah, because uh, you know, I can see how if you're like a more introverted sort of a person uh you would just not want any part of it you know yeah um, yeah y- you know i mean i i don't know much about her pursuing uh, her own music career i do believe that she's right yeah that if she had tried to associate herself more heavily with what the rest of the family was doing you know if she would not have been able to get out from under it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh kelly osborne uh made a couple of stabs at a music career but you know i think she figured out pretty quickly like I it's I can't do music Mm uh it's just it's not going to be allowed because of who my family is and how I've been perceived on television so I'm going to be on fashion police with Joan Rivers yeah and and she was able to carve something out for herself that way because it it wasn't related to her Mm -hmm. family uh you know as far as Amy I know next to nothing and I think that's by design I think that's how she wants it right and you know i mean i i totally understand that you know I sure. mean, again if you're a more sort of introverted person and i guess she must be uh i mean like i think i've seen a picture of her once
0: mm-hmm. i don't know and if i have i should google it
1: i think it was when black sabbath were getting inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and ozzy's whole family was there including her and there was like this one shot of the table where they're all sitting and that was mm-hmm. in that's Mm. the only time i've ever seen what she looks like Hmm. she's Um, really pretty i'm looking i'm googling her now she's beautiful wow yeah and wants to live life not as ozzy osborne's daughter yeah yeah what about felma do we i mean is she still alive uh my understanding is she's still with us she still walks. and uh she what? she still walks the earth i walks the earth yeah um you know and again i you know i think she was just in a in the very bad position of like if i can just rein this guy in a little bit Mm -hmm. maybe something is possible maybe you know maybe something like a normal life can happen Mm uh but but i mean you know you can tell pretty early on that it's just it's not going to happen and um there is no reigning this guy in no Uh, and you know and again that was something that he took responsibility for he was mm-hmm. he was like i treated her horribly mm-hmm. uh that was my fault that marriage not working out was 100% on me and she had yeah. enough yeah and i really respected that you know totally. again, again i've known so many people who were 100% the reason why a marriage failed yeah or a relationship failed and they they just won't accept the possibility that they had anything to do with it at all mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh they'll blame everyone but themselves yeah. and i i really respect that he didn't do that i really yeah. respect he's like no this is this is on me yeah that's great
0: yeah um i wondered one of the I, one of the things i find interesting about most of these books that i've read so far is that um the last couple of decades of Legacy acts like this, career, um, there are fewer highlights, obviously. Um, I wondered when reading back to your book, considering the time it was in the early 90s when grunge is starting to take over, I wonder if Mama, I'm Coming Home, in some ways, saved his career is probably the wrong word because he's so durable, he probably would have lived on no matter what. But I wondered if that gave him a pass through the, those early grunge era years when all of the stuff that he would have been about, like Shot in the Dark, was right. being rejected. I wondered if the success of Mama, I'm Coming Home gave him a path and allowed him to stay afloat, almost reigniting his career in some ways. What do you think?
1: Well, I think the partnership with Zach Wilde maybe a little yeah that's probably true um yeah i mean i'll never forget the first time i heard that album uh and yeah the listening to the song i think was i don't want to change the world Mm. which has this like allman brothers molly hatchet guitar solo in the middle of it and i'm just like why is this on an ozzy osbourne record (laughs) but that but that really had the effect of like kind of jarring it loose from what had come before it was not a shot in the dark yeah uh it was this other thing entirely and i you know i i don't think it was quite as revolutionary as when he started working with randy rhodes Mm -hmm. but it had the same effect where it was like okay we have before ozzy then this thing happens and now there's new ozzy Mm And you know, I mean, if he had not worked with Randy Rhodes, you know, he, I think, he just would have been nausea. Um, he would have been Black Sabbath's old singer.
0: Mm, yeah, uh, probably. Nausea, so, Randy, Ro- Randy Rhodes, you think is the the thing that propelled
1: him into maintaining a solo career? Well, I mean, he he said as much. Uh, yeah, like he, that's true. He credits Randy Rhodes with being like it. It never would have happened without. Yeah, that's us. true. Good point. But it, you know when you listen to like the last couple of records that he did with black sabbath and then wizard of oz it's, mm-hmm. well, it's two completely different bands yeah but i think he really needed to demonstrate that he was his own thing he was his own yeah. and you know randy rhodes was the perfect foil for that because he didn't play like tony iomi uh you know and uh lee kerslake and bob daisley didn't play like geezer butler and bill ward yeah, it was just new thing entirely, uh, and yeah. um, that that to me was really smart. Yeah, um, you know, as much as I would've loved to hear him do Iron Man mm-hmm. forever, yeah, uh, that yeah, you know, he he would, you know, uh, I don't think his career would have lasted beyond like 1982. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really he's been, it's very much about who he works with. Mm-hmm. I find yes, um, absolutely gets, true. And he has some partnerships with guitar players, some that are better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the ones that I think were really like linchpin partnerships were Randy Rhodes and Zach Wilde. That is yeah. no disrespect to anyone else that he worked with, because no. he only played with good people. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, like Jakey Lee, I would say, was just in the unenviable position of trying to replace a dead legend. hmm which like that's that's just a losing proposition yeah. from Jump, you know. Yeah. Uh, he plays really well, uh, he's mm-hmm. a good songwriter, all of it. You know, he brought yeah. he brought everything to the table. But timing matters mm-hmm. and uh history matters and the sequence mm-hmm. of events matters. And uh you know, I mean it's the same sort of thing where, you know, I mean, like if Rush mm-hmm. were to get a new drummer, it just like Yeah, it's
0: not gonna be the same.
1: No, no matter how good the guy is,
0: yeah, uh,
1: you know, and I mean, if when Neil Peart died, I remembered all these people t- saying like, "Oh, the guy from Dream Theater," or this guy, yeah. or yeah. the guy from school. and it's like, it's not going to work. You no. don't understand. It's not about that. <laughs> right. um, chemistry is a big part of it, and yeah. you know, Randy Rhodes and Ozzy Osbourne had chemistry together, yeah, yeah, and I think he had the same or similar chemistry with Zach Wilde yeah Uh, and and again that's nothing against jakey lee or any other guitar player that he worked with just those two guys yeah that yeah that worked
0: yeah i remember um i remember in 87 when tribute came out uh crazy train the video was played on friday night videos which Mm -hmm. i took to mean that it was you know in in play to be a pop song and back when i was a kid I'm kind of a night owl. So I would call radio stations in the middle of the night because you were more likely to reach the, you know, reach the DJ and get your your request played. And I remember one night calling at like two in the morning and asking for crazy train on the nor on the pop radio station that I listened to. And uh the DJ was like, Oh, we don't we don't do that. We don't have that. I said, Why don't you have that? You're a pop station. And I'm like 13, 14. Now it's a different format. That's when I realized. I, I just thought, why isn't, why won't a pop station play something that's popular? Now it probably would, but th- it. Uh, I remember being so baffled by that. Speaking of which, what's your take on the overdub situation with, um, you know, Daisley and Kerslake?
1: Uh, that is so cruel. There's just no nice cruel. way to say this. That was utter horseshit. Yes, It would not have happened, and I'm glad the mistake was corrected. Yes. And they went back to the originals. Uh, I don't know why it, you know, I mean, I've heard conflicting stuff about why it happened or whose decision it was or whatever, uh, but that was just, like they completely stepped in shit on that one. If you want my honest opinion, I agree. Um, you can't, you, you know, you can't fuck with it. You know, the, the, those are just two absolute stone cold classic albums. Yeah. yeah. And you just don't do that. You know, uh, no. I keep talking about rush again, but it's, you know, there's part of me that's like, you know, it'd be great if they went back to those like late eighties album and just, just erased all the keyboards. You can't no. do that. It happened. It's, yeah. It's, it's out there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean if, you know, and especially if it was a decision that was made for money or sure. something like that. Uh I, but wow, my God, I I never I talked to a single person who was like, That was great. That was yeah. really that was a good idea. I haven't heard no. anyone say that ever. No. Most even of if
0: money- when I agree, even if we when we listen to the album, we're completely unaware that new people are on there, just the The need to stick it to those two guys, you know, and like rub their faces in the shit, be like, we got you on this one. It's so uncool. And I I know that Sharon has a reputation for doing millions of things like that. Um, But she also is, you know, that's Ozzy's still a thing because of Sharon. So you take the good and the
1: bad. Yeah. I mean, when, when I was working on the book, I mean, one of the things I took, you know, I know people love to hate on her and talk about her like you know she's the evil manipulative uh-huh. <laughs> pulling the marionette strings person uh i think like uh he would be dead without her yes uh, no like, question literally not living yeah and you have no career yeah. um and to be able to wrangle him so he, he doesn't die and, and so yeah. he continues to stay a relevant artist right up to today <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to give her credit. I mean yeah. you know, and again, I know people like to talk a lot of shit about her. Uh, I assume most of them have never met her, have no idea what they're talking about, and are projecting. Yeah. Um you know, but I, I mean, if you've known people in the music business or anyone who's tried to, you know, make headway in the music business, it's brutal. It's absolutely yeah. brutal. And you have to like you have to almost be like a little bit of a thug uh just to be just in your own self-interest and in your Mm -hmm. client's own self-interest or the career won't advance Mm -hmm. I hate to even say that but that's Mm -hmm. like the you know the people I've known who who have gotten ahead and like made you know carved out a little career for themselves in music and didn't even necessarily make millions of dollars or anything like that just like being a somewhat well-known cult artist who can like make a tour pay for itself mm-hmm. you have to be a complete bastard yeah. Uh, yeah and it's not for everybody Yeah. Uh, and i mean i to me she's just doing her job so, yeah. You know. yeah
0: that's true that's true um i want to ask you about you mentioned in the book that um he had stopped cheating on her in around 1987 as, as a because he was fearful of catching aids i feel like um am i misremembering i wondered if it would be a chapter in the book and it wasn't didn't they almost get divorced again like 10 years ago because he supposedly cheated and i and they didn't but i i feel like i remember that being a storyline briefly in the news does this ring a bell at all very faintly uh, okay obviously it never happened i'm like Ozzy's seventy-something years old, and he can't even think straight. Can he really have a an affair with someone? But maybe I don't know.
1: I mean, I mean, my my take is really like, you know, if I just I didn't see anything like that documented. Yeah. Okay. In writing anywhere, and sure. I I was not going to put anything in the book that I did not see documented elsewhere in writing. Yeah. You know. No, I um, know. You know, and there's a ton of stuff where you know where you can do like oh well i heard you know and that kind of th- but uh it, you know yeah if it's not there it's not there and you can't uh, put it- I don't blame you
0: i i had this vague memory of that and um i wondered if it would come up and it didn't and that made me wonder if i was misremembering but i don't know uh, well, i mean it it may have happened yeah may have i don't know <laughs> probably does happen to everybody and we don't know about it one thing one other thing that i was taken by in the book is that it felt like black sabbath were constantly rushing to get an album out it was you know they were always in a hurry and i thought i mean thankfully they made a you know half a dozen or so fantastic out. I actually really like Never Say Die. You don't like Never Say Die, but I actually like that album a lot. I think I, it's kind of I fun. consider
1: Never Say Die to be a massive improvement over Technical Ecstasy. Very true. Very true. Say that, yeah. Uh, because uh two of the eight songs are good. Uh where <laughs> none of the songs on Technical Ecstasy are good at all. Uh that, 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 I'm, I hate that record. I'm sorry. Uh,
0: no, don't apologize. I think that's great. Um, speaking of which you mentioned, um, I wrote them down fluff and, uh, the other one off that album, who are you as being like the worst black Sabbath songs? Do you stand by that?
1: Uh, up to that point. Yes. Up to
0: that point. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, Sabbath, bloody Sabbath is I'm, I am sort of like this lone person in the universe who really champions that album because ah. uh, that's, that's one where they kind of start to lose people Uh uh-huh you know the first three or four every everyone loves those. you know Uh there's nothing controversial on them it's it's just like bludgeon 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 then you get Sabbath bloody Sabbath and Rick Wakeman is on it and I just I know there are just a lot of people who are like ah I'm off the boat that's it Uh forget it you know uh I I love what he does on that album I I like that they were getting a little more progressive uh-huh. Um, you know and it, but i mean one thing that's that's that album apart is that they had time they had time to yeah. work on it. Yeah. uh it wasn't write it in the morning and record it in the afternoon you know where right. you're just you're not going to get good results from that yeah um no the the worst ozzy era black sabbath song is rock and roll doctor in my opinion uh,
0: okay. yeah i think i remember that now. i forgot to yeah. write that down yeah
1: um there are some other ones i mean then like the last couple of songs on never say die that are just kind of like, why are these even here? (laughs) You know? um, But, you know, I mean, uh, no fluff again. That's just another one where it's like, yeah. What is this? Yeah. And yeah. uh, So
0: why were they always in a hurry? Did they not have the clout to give themselves another three months to write a song?
1: You couldn't do that back then. I mean, if, even if you like, you know, a band like the Beatles. Yeah. They were supposed to get CCR
0: like, puts up CCR's whole Cre Clearwater Revivals whole career la- is like
1: two and a half years and like eight albums yeah yeah. Yeah, right. yeah yeah that's how it was done at the time I and guess I'm, so. that's astonishing to me you know where I like, yeah. and you were supposed to tour also yeah yeah and it's I just didn't I don't see where there's the time to do it all I don't see yeah. like I don't think there are hours in the day to do it yeah uh, but, you know, I think cocaine makes a lot of things possible that are otherwise not possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of that shit happening, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, I, they were being pushed really hard by management and, you know, and just and just the norms. Uh-huh. Uh, like what, what was expected of bands at the time was you put a record out every year or something was wrong. <clears throat> yeah. uh, you know, and it, if it was like a real emergency, it would be a live album. Yeah. And that's yeah. value another three months. Yeah, true. But you're, okay. ex- you're expected to produce, baby, or, yeah. or or it's a problem, you know. Yeah. Um one other thing I was I
0: can't I don't know that I got a clear answer on why Bill Ward wouldn't participate at the reunion. And did uh, I forget? Or am I missing? Yeah. What? Well, yeah. The yeah. When was the 2011
1: when was the big one oh, the 13 album
0: yeah the th- around that <laughs> what's his story
1: why does he not
0: participate I can't remember
1: he his version of events was that he was not presented with a contract that was signable that's that was right his, that's right I don't know what they put in front of him uh, so I don't I don't know like what the sticking point was Yeah. Uh, I just assume this kind of thing just always comes down to money yeah yeah uh, or you know, you know and uh you know it's possible that maybe he wanted like you know four-way equal split the way they had done it in the early mm-hmm. days uh but uh you know he doesn't he doesn't have that kind of pull now it's a very different yeah. situation
0: yeah.
1: uh you know what i mean him not participating i know that i know there were people who are like this is not black sabbath without him uh-huh. uh, then like they wouldn't even go they wouldn't even see them perform or anything uh-huh uh because he wasn't involved uh but i mean i do have to say that when i saw them in 2013 uh if he had been having the kind of health problems that they've been talking about and that sort of thing i i don't know if he could have kept up and i hate hate saying that because he's my favorite drummers of all time yeah i would have loved to have seen him i would have loved it yeah Uh, but i i don't know just when i was watching that concert i was like this is really great and a 65 year old man mm-hmm. would not be able to do this yeah yeah uh, and i have to sort of say that i feel like that's been vindicated because every one of my favorite drummers has retired at about mm. the age of 55 you know just your body gives out you can't yeah. do it anymore. yeah yeah it's you know it's it's a really it's like an athletic thing to do and you know yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens with like metallica or or
0: well, even yes. you too. Now at their residency in Las Vegas, Larry Mullen Jr. is not going to be there,
1: and he's then not. you don't even.
0: What's that? He's not. No. Huh. Oh, that's funny. Okay, I know. Is that uh, he's not one of the guys you would think would need to, you know, take a break for back problems or whatever it is. But yeah, you're right. They break down. Yeah. Maybe he hates them. I don't. know. We don't want to believe that, but it might might be. I don't know. I don't give a
1: shit about you two at all, so I'm perfectly happy to
0: Yeah, you, can, to you I love you too, but yeah, you can yeah, say whatever you want. Um, it's interesting. I, I've never seen Ozzy or Black Sabbath in concert. And I I realized just now talking to you that part of that is because growing up in Salt Lake City, neither of them would have ever stepped foot in the right. area. And um and I wouldn't have cared when I was a kid anyway. I didn't really come around to them until I don't know, early 2000s, probably. In fact, it was Chuck Klosterman's book, Fargo, Rock City, that helped me embrace all of the heavy metal that I had been Mm -hmm. sort of pushing aside. So anyway, I realized that I keep anytime I live in Denver now, and they might come through once in a great while. And the last time or two that they might have, I probably thought, I think I'll wait until either Bill Ward is there or Ozzy's in better shape. Or I don't like the new Ozzy album that he's promoting, so I won't bother with this one. And I'm realizing now that there, those things aren't going to happen. It's not going to get better. In fact, it might be over, you know? So I probably missed whatever chance I had.
1: Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, you have to sort of look at it as like, you know, well, which Sabbath did you want to see? Right, uh, right. And- I don't know if you've ever seen, there's this pretty famous footage of them performing in Brussels in 1970. Hmm. Uh, the performance of War Pigs from that is like, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Hmm. They're all about 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, it's such a new song that Ozzy does not yet know the words. Whoa. And like, Bill Ward is just a, just a fucking beast on that thing from top yeah. to bottom. Uh, everyone in the band is just like they're, it's. They're like jumping off stage almost, like they can't mm-hmm. contain themselves almost. Mm-hmm. And th- I was a year old mm-hmm. when that happened. You know, mm-hmm. uh all the you know. I mean, all, one thing I did say in the book was, you know, at the time when I finally bought my first piece of vinyl, it was a Cookie Monster forty-five, and I was That's three funny. years old. That's and funny. at the but at the time, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath was that So I mean, we missed it completely. We did, we did. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for what I was around for, yeah. uh, cause you know, I did get to see some you know great artists in small venues that I, I know I was the only one there who gave a shit and it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I saw Soundgarden where it was me and 15 other people in the audience. And, and they were playing, <laughs> they were playing on like a six inch riser. Oh man. And we were just all, all 15 of us like packed yeah. in front of the right, you know, and yeah, I like, here, you know, yes, oh but man, it was fantastic, you know, and and yeah. that will never happen again, yeah. so I, I try, I just try to be happy for like those, you know, those weird, wonderful moments yeah. that that did happen, um, because yeah. I really started thinking about like, I wish I could have seen Led Zeppelin, I wish I could have seen, you know, that it's just tragic, too depressing, know? yeah, yeah, yeah was, I I mean, you, you can't. There's nothing you can do about it.
0: No. So. Okay, last question, and I'll let you go. My very favorite song that Ozzy has anything to do with, solo, Sabbath, anything, is Tonight. I know that probably is a different thought. Do you have any strong feelings about Tonight? Diary is my favorite Ozzy
1: solo. Uh, yeah. Not a uh, so, uh, strong one. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, the whole album okay. is from yeah. top to bottom, but I, I wouldn't say that's like the first one. I know. That- Jumps to mind.
0: I wondered Uh, if someone maybe more diehard like you would think I was a giant puss for picking that song, but that is—it's so epic. I love it.
1: Yeah, no, there's nothing. No, I okay. I I don't do I I listen to ABBA. I listen to I do too. Yeah, Yeah, okay. So I mean, okay. Yeah, I don't judge anybody. Yeah, okay.
0: Just curious. Well, thank you, Daniel. Thanks for chatting with me. And it's always fun to talk about Ozzy. He's a fascinating figure and a beloved one. All right, there you have it, Daniel Buckspin. Uh, that book is a blast. And as I've said before, please check these out if you haven't already. I, um, You can buy them on Amazon or anywhere. I put a link to Daniel's website, personal website on here, in case you want to just go and buy it from him. We do have a copy to give away to a lucky Patreon supporter. So, as I've said many, many times before, if you want to be in the running to win these kinds of things, all it is is two, two bucks a month. You just set it and forget it. Donate two bucks to the cause. And anytime I get swag like this, if you want to be, you are in the running to win it. That's all it takes to qualify. So uh, chime in if you do, and I will post something on the Patreon page, and we'll probably draw winners a week from today. but A week, next weekend, whenever that might be. Okay? Now, huge thanks to Yan for putting this out there. He's got a lot going on in his life. We're lucky that he was able to get this out. We've got a lot more bonus material coming up in the next several weeks i think some promo modes deep dives recap it's almost time for another recap so listen up for all of that anyway thanks folks we love you we'll talk to you soon